Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day. We are 10, 11, and 5 thus far through the 2021 U.S. Open, plus .09 units overall as of the recording of this podcast. On day four, we finished 2 and 3, down .57 units. We won our first Ace of the Day on day five, Garbin Muguruza knocking off Vika Azarenka in three sets. That was a half-unit bet to win half a unit in return. Our other three bets from day Day five are still outstanding now, I suppose. Given the hour I'm recording this at, 6, 12 p.m., that is a good thing. Alina Svitolina did her part. She knocked off Daria Kazakina. If we get a win from Andre Rublev over Tiafo, that parlay will hit. We have FAA, half a unit to win .47 over RBA. We have Schwartzman, who won the first set 6-4, so he's on pace here, minus 165, one unit to win .6 over Alex Mulcan. That's where things stand through five days of picks at the 2021 U.S. Open, of course, on today's show. Going to offer you all my picks for day six. A rare double up. I have my eye on Sarah Saripas Tormo over Emma Raducanu in particular. I want to make the case for that pick. Talk about the other money lines. I have my eyes on run through my favorite over-unders, my favorite spreads. Of course, offer up my favorite parlays as well. Before I do that, Just a quick reminder to all of you listeners, if you are looking for daily recaps of all of the action in New York, you can find them each and every day on our mini break podcast feed. You can find that podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can also find it on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, we have also had some fantastic guests on our Cracked Interviews podcast of late. If you've missed out on any of our new Crack Rackets athletes through our NIL-related Project Elite, you can hear from Cannon Kingsley, Isabel Boulay, Kwesi Kenyatta, and Hunter Heck, of course. You can hear from some of the top coaches in the college tennis world as well. I had a chance to speak with a bunch of them while I was at Kalamazoo. Got to speak to players at the City Open, at the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge exhibition event in Pennsylvania as well. A lot of fun content right now for all of you tennis fans on our podcast. So if you've missed any of them, again, you can find them on our website, CrackRackets.com. But you didn't come to hear about that. You came to hear my picks for day six. So with that in mind, let's get into them. Here are the selections for day six, my GSP aces of the day. Let's start with the money lines and the aforementioned Sarah Cerebez Tormo. The disrespect towards Sarah Cerebez Tormo, and this is not meant as a slight towards Amaretta Kanu, who has been one of the breakthrough stories of the second half of the season for any 18-year-old to make the round of 16 at a Grand Slam. She did that in her home slam at Wimbledon. To follow that up with a third-round performance here at the 2021 U.S. Open, you look for Raducanu overall here on the season. I mean, she has been exceptional. You look for her here this year. Uh, she's 17-6 and six overall, but let's just talk about what Sarah Cerebez Tormo's done this season. Cerebez Tormo up to number 41 in the rankings entering this week with her third round appearance here. Sarah Cerebez Tormo up to a new career high ranking of number 35. Of course, you look for her in the race to the year end standing. Cerebez Tormo even better than that. She's currently accumulated the 29th most points here in the WTA season. You look at the advanced metrics. ELO ratings love her of late as well. Cerebez Tormo up to number 33 
in overall elo her 27 and 13 mark entering the u.s open good for 25th in terms of 2021 specific elo again you can understand why you look for her this season 29 and 14 overall here uh in the at the u.s open wins over carolina mukova in the first round state straight sets sue c in the second round straight sets you look for her overall this season on hard court sarah cerebus tormo now 24 and 7 overall on hard court she won the title in guadalajara quarterfinals abu dhabi semifinals monterey quarterfinals miami quarterfinals montreal she made the semifinals in cleveland in the run-up to this event where she got knocked out by eventual champion at that event annette conteve you look for Cerebez Tormo here this season. She's 20-7 and seven against players ranked outside the top 50, which, by the way, is what Emma Raducanu is, and I know she made round of 16 in third round, and that's top 32 performances at the last two slams. That's a notable data point, but still, also worth noting the success Cerebez Tormo has had. Of course, you move up in the rankings. She's 8-7 and seven against top 50 players, and we talk about it all the time. There are about 70 top 50 players right now. To be playing them above 500 means you belong amongst that group now against top 20 players she's two and five and that she doesn't have that big weapon the way to win points a little bit easy sure she can play every match in a physical manner and you look for her three set loss to andrescu in miami oh and five loss to Halep, but on clay in madrid that's a good loss five and one to sabalenka in rome again I, I don't know if you think there are definitions of a good loss. I think those are good losses. She has the physicality to hang with anyone. The difference is when you play amongst the elite of the elite, you know, you have to have the big weapon to make things easy for yourself. She doesn't quite have that, but she's certainly amongst that group of players who should be ranked somewhere between 20 and 50 in the WTA rankings. You look for Cerebez Tormo at the slams here this season. Obviously, this is the big run for her. Into the third round, you look for Wimbledon. She beat Konya before losing in three to Kerber really fun match you look at the Australian Open she loses first round to Gavrilova first round loss for her uh, at the French Open as well to Sai Sai Zhang in three sets so this was a big breakthrough run for her this is the one she's been waiting for all season long and she's got a legitimate shot at the second week now against Emma Raducanu now of course it is worth noting as I said Raducanu 17 and 6 overall this season the big result the round of 16 at Wimbledon she also qualified and made a quarterfinal in Landisville Pennsylvania 100k level event got good wins over Bonaventure the 12 seed there Bartel as well beat Gorgadzi before losing to Parisa's Diaz by withdrawal she also made the final of the 125k in Chicago and got three very good wins there over Clara Burrell, Allison Van Utvenik, and Claire Liu before dropping out in three sets in the final to Clara Tawson. You look for her here, five wins under her belt. She beats, so excuse me, 18 and six this season. And let's be clear, she's won 75% of her matches. That's damn good stuff. That's moving up the rankings. And you look for Adekanu, who is number 150, entering this event with this re- result now. She has raced up towards the top 100, currently number 116 in the live rankings. You look in the race to the year on finals she's 93rd so she has shown a top 100 level but you look for her still in her career Emma Redekanu overall I mentioned it 17 and 6 in her career 61 uh 17 and 6 this year 61 and 20 overall in her career so she's won three quarters of her pro career matches now now the majority of them have been at the 25k but th- she's had that much success speaks to the fact that she's ready to play at the WTA level, but you look for her now in terms of WTA level matches, she's played 12 total, uh, excuse me, 13 total. She's eight and five in her,
her 13 total WTA-level matches. Yes, she beat Von Drusova Kirstea at Wimbledon and, you know, has gotten good wins over a top 100 player in Sharif, top 100 players in Zhang and Vogel, but... Sarah Cerebes Tormo is the next level, particularly on a hard court where, as I mentioned, Cerebes Tormo this season, 24-7. and Radikainu has never faced that sort of test, and she's got the weaponry. There's no doubt about that. When she gets a clean look at the ball, she is going to hit big, and she has the disrupt, uh, weapons to disrupt anyone's rhythm of play. But can she do that for the three hours it takes to beat Sarah Cerebes Tormo right now on a hard court? I don't know if the answer to that question is yes. You look at tennis abstracts, draw projection. They have Cerebes Tormo, the analytics, as a 77% favorite to Raducanu's 23%. You look at the odds right now, uh, Sarah Cerebes Tormo minus 115, Raducanu minus 105. There's value in the play. The eye test suggests it. The metrics suggested, the stage suggested, and you look for Cerebus Tormo, by the way, if you have doubt for her because you haven't seen her have that degree of success at the slams, uh, you know, you look for Sarah Cerebus Tormo in her career. She has never made a round of 16 at a Grand Slam before, but she has played multiple Grand Slam. You know, she's played over 10 Grand Slam main draws. You can't say that about Radikainu. Give me Cerebus Tormo, minus 115. There's value in that money play. We're going to take that on the money line. That's ace of the day, number one. We're going to throw a full unit on it. That's my most confident pick of the day. We're doubling up on that one as well. And again, that is not a slight towards Radikanu. That is just indicative of my confidence level in Cerebes Tormo. You've heard her on this segment already this week. We're going to ride the Cerebes Tormo bandwagon again. One unit on her uh, at minus 115 to win 0.86. That's ace of the day, number one. Aces of the day, two and three. A couple of over, under, and spread plays. And, you know, again, I'm recording this 6.21 p.m. Eastern time. We are still competing on day five. A bunch of third-round matches still to play. But you look at the women's results we've had thus far. Stevens-Kerber, as expected. Three-set, close match. Muguruza-Azarenka, as expected. Three-set, close match. Halep-Rabakina, as expected. Three-set, close match. Krejcikova Rakimova was the straight set win for Krejcikova. We all expected it to be. Svitolina beat Kasikina in straight sets, but that was a very high level straight set win, and that win I think had more to do with Svitolina's level than anything Kasikina did wrong. But three of the five matches that have completed went the distance. These matches that are high level, with the way these players are all playing right now, with what this moment means, you're going to get runs from all of them. So I do think, <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to get some matches that go the distance tomorrow. You look on the women's side, the one I have, cir- the ones I have circled most closely. Uh, I mean, I would say keep your eye on Barty Rogers plus three ten to go over two and a half sets. It's just Rogers with her serve, her forehand. She can hold six times consecutively, get to a breaker, and then in that breaker, anything can happen. And we've seen Barty, you know, be a little bit. She struggled. She served for matches in her and gotten broken in both her first and second round matches. I think Shelby's got the firepower to make her pay, plus the experience in a way her first two opponents didn't. That's an interesting one. What is Pavlochenkova have left in the tank at this point? Who knows? But her versus Grachova, plus 200, interesting. But the three I have my eyes on, Kvitova Sakari, 
Sakari's been one of the 15 best players on tour this season. She's found her level again here. Two really, really good wins for her in her first two matches uh, over, uh, was it Teichman? No, Teichman lost to Conteve. I know she beat Kostyuk round one. I'm forgetting who she beat round two, but two very good wins. But Petra Kvitova, if she gets, you know, we know when she catches fire, her best is still as good as anyone else on tour. You can't say that about Maria Sakari. That said, the fitness of Sakari, her ability to maintain her level over the course of two and a half hours is a little stronger than Kvitova's right now. So over two and a half sets plus 145. I don't hate that. Sviantek's a little bit injured, so you may just want to take Conteve as a straight-up upset here. Conteve with Sviantek plus 145 to go over two and a half sets. I believe it's pretty even odds, like minus 105, Conteve minus 115, Sviantek. You know, again, given the even odds, given we saw Sviantek look like she was down and out and still win her second-round match, could see that one go in three, but the one I'm going to pull the trigger on— Plus 140 over two and a half sets in Benchich and Pegula. Now we'll start with the Pegula side. I think this argument's just a little bit easier to make. Pegula has been not only one of the 15 best players, it sucks because Krejcikova is going to win most improved player, deservedly so. She has been that good, even compared to everyone else, but so has Jess Pegula, who right now finds her ranking currently at a new career high uh, for Pegula at number 24 in the live rankings. But more impressively, you look for her in the race to the year-end finals. Right now, entering the third round of the U.S. Open, Jess Pegula ranks 10th in that race. 10th. She's been a top 10 player in points accumulated, folks. You don't believe that? Let's go to the advanced metrics. For Jess Pegula, you look for her in terms of overall ELO. She's 21st, 2021 specific ELO. They have Pegula as 16th. Okay, so it's not 10th. It's top 20. That's how good Jess Pegula has been. At the same time, you know, you look at her hard court record here this season. She's played nine hard court events. She's made the quarterfinals uh, in four uh, or further in four of them. You look for her overall just in terms of her record specifically on hard court. She's 33-16 and 16 this season. On hard court specifically, she's now 24-9. and nine. That's money. I mean, 24-9, you are winning, what is that, 8-11, um, eight, eight, so it's like .7272. So, yeah, .7273%. 73%, there it is, Alex. Uh, of her matches, she's winning this season on hard courts. That's an elite level, and she's playing WTA high-level matches. You look for her quarterfinals uh, in du- uh, Dubai, semifinals in Doha, semifinals in Montreal, quarterfinals at the Australian Open. She's done it against the best this season. You look for her her splits on hard court by ranking against opponents ranked outside the top 50 Jess Pegula on hard courts this season 11 and 1 you look for her opponents inside the top 50 12 and 8 inside the top 20 she's 6 and 6 she has been that good but you know who's caught lightning in a bottle of late 2019 U.S. Open semifinalist Belinda Bencich, who's defending those semifinalist points in this event. There's a sense of urgency to her because Indian Wells, which she's got a ton of points to defend from, uh, is right around the corner afterwards. She has looked really, really good. And obviously the 2021 gold medalist earned three set wins over Krejcikova, Pavlachenkova, Rabakina, and Vondrusova consecutively to earn that gold medal. She goes then to the Western and Southern Open, beats Vondrusova again, Rogers and Mukova before bowing out to an on-fire Jill Teichman. Straight set wins for her 
in her first two matches, she's looked comfortable. And the record's a little bit deceiving because you look for Bencic here in 2021. She's 27 and 15 overall. You take out those six wins at the Olympics. She's, you know, 20, uh, 21 and 15. You take out her three and one. So the nine and one she's been since the end of Wimbledon. She was 18 and 14 entering those Olympics here in 2021. Her big result being that final she made in Berlin. So even before that, the grass court season, she's just been rejuvenated here. There's been a sense of urgency. And more importantly, she's found her rhythm. And guess what? Sometimes it, It's not like, it's not, it shouldn't be rude to say it takes me 12 months to find my rhythm, how to play in these COVID standards, in these COVID times. You look for her, her serve percentage has, you know, improved tremendously. She was in the mid to high 50s. She's now in the low to mid 60s in terms of first serve percentage, her first serve win percentage has improved as well from the high 60s to the low to mid 70s and again when you're making more first serves and you're winning more first serve points in general you're going to have more success and you look for Bencic the number that gives you some hesitancy you look at the break percentages amongst top 50 players she's 50th amongst top 50 players right now in break percentage 26.9 percent very hot and cold. She goes big on that return. She plays on her front foot. She's not someone who's going to be in the outer third. She's not grinding. See ball, hit ball big. One of the purest ball strikers on tour. Wants to move forward. Will hit the swinging volley. Pagula's got the pace to disrupt that, though. And Pagula has been much more solid on both her return of serve and holding serve. You look for Jess Pagula here this season. She's second in break percentage, 47.3. You look for her in terms of her hold percentage. Pagula's still been very, very good. Now, you know, you look for Jess Pagula amongst top 50 players. She currently ranks. Come on, Alex, you can find it here. Leave this all in. Oh, excuse me. It's the flip side. She has not been very good. And leave this all in. She's been 47th. That's what I thought it was. And so, again, she's someone who plays big on the return but often finds her serve vulnerable. The flip side, Bencic, someone who is very, very successful holding serve but struggle. You know, Belinda Bencic right now ranks 16th in – excuse me, 12th in hold percentage amongst top 50 players. It's strength versus strength. Holding serve versus return of serve. And, you know, again, the expect a lot of breaks of serve. Expect topsy-turvy. Expect runs. As such, you know what feels like a good play? Over two and a half sets in this match. We're going to do that plus 140, half a unit to win .7. I think I've made a comprehensive enough case for that match to go the distance. I just think it's a pick I think it's a really, really fun match. Two line drive hitters who are going to go on runs. I expect the way they're competing for that match to go the distance. I'm also going to risk it for the biscuit on Dennis Shapovalov, minus two and a half games over Lloyd Harris. Now, I know Shapovalov entered this U.S. Open on a three-match losing streak. Prior to that, though, he had been on a—he had lost one first-round match this entire 2021 season. I don't want to say he had seemingly conquered his issues with, um, with his consistency, but he had certainly— done better here this year and you look just from a percentage standpoint 86.4 hold percentage that's a career high by two and a half percent you look at his break percentage here this season 20.8 percent that's above his career average of 1.8 now a little lower than he was last season but he hasn't you know a step backwards not two steps back he's still been better than you would think now at the same time tomorrow he's got a big server in Lloyd Harris. And by the way, I forgot to mention this for Benchich, and I just want to throw this out here. Pagula tomorrow, tennis abstracts uh, forecast, 51.9% Pagula, 48.1% Benchich. You know, when it's a 52-48 sort of match, I think you take the over two and a half sets. You look tomorrow for Shapovalov-Harris, 
they like Lloyd Harris's chances. They say he's a 47.8% uh, chance to win against Shapovalov tomorrow. You look at the odds makers. They have Shapovalov minus 185. That number has come down. Lloyd Harris uh, down to plus 150. It's going to be a close match. There's no doubt about it. But I, I see. I think there's two different Shapovalovs. And yes, the bad Shapovalov is very, very bad. But we remember that at Wimbledon, he made the semifinals of that event. Right? That wasn't that long ago that we'd have forgotten. I hope not. You look for him overall here in 2021, 23 and 17. But he does have that run. He's got the run to the Geneva final that he made on the clay courts and made semifinals of Queens Club as well. The start the season, he made semifinals Dubai, quarterfinals Doha. That semifinal loss in Dubai was 7-6 in the third to a guy by the name of Lloyd Harris, his opponent tomorrow, who unequivocally has taken a step forward this year. 18-9 and nine on hard courts. I believe he is 24-17 and 17 overall. So again, hard courts are where he has played his best stuff. And, you know, he did make that final in Dubai. He did make quarterfinals in D.C. Beats an injured Rafa, but still manages to get over the finish line. Beat Rafa in three. You know, wins a couple of matches in Canada before losing 7-6 in the third to Opelka. Loses 6-2 and two, uh, at Cincinnati to Zverev, which compared to how Zverev did against a lot of the field, that's a good performance. Beats Hatchinov in, in five sets in the first round here. Beats Escobedo in straights in round two. Lloyd Harris has looked really good, and you look at the numbers for him this season. You know, Lloyd Harris has served at a borderline elite rate. He's 16th right now in hold percentage. It's pretty damn good. You now, break percentage, he definitely struggles. He is in the, the Bublik, the Federer, Umber category at 19.7%. When you're under 20% as a returner, that is a noticeable struggle. Shapovalov's still over that number, by the way. 208 here in 2021. Over his last 52 weeks, he's 23%. That number, I believe, good for 32nd amongst top 50 players. Harris right now, his number, good for 43rd. Meanwhile, you look at those service games I mentioned for Lloyd Harris. He's 16th. Denis Shapovalov right now, 11th in terms of hold percentage. So yes, they both struggle to return serve. Shapovalov struggles a little bit less than Harris does. Yes, they're both excellent at holding serve. Shapovalov's a little bit more excellent when he's playing his best than Lloyd Harris is. And I think Shapovalov in his first two matches is playing his best. He exercised an old demon, a guy who beat him early in a slam a couple of slams ago in Roberto Carbeas Bena in straight sets in round number two. And, you know, it was the same deal. Straight set win for him against Del Bonus. And yes, Lloyd Harris has the sort of weaponry big serve that those guys don't, and he's going to hit the big forehands, hit the big ball into Shapovalov's backhand. But Shapovalov's gotten a lot better at handling that wing of the shot. Shapovalov uh, wing, especially as a return. Shapovalov's also seen the Lloyd Harris serve before, and it's one thing when you're playing a big guy like Harris who's going to hit bombs at you when you don't know the rhythm, the cadence to his serve, the spots he likes to hit. You know, does he remember that match exactly? No, but he will get a familiar feel for it as any tennis player would within the first two, three games. And I just think over the course of five sets, the athleticism, the power, and then also the creativity and the fact that he does. I like Shapovalov's plan B a little bit better, his athleticism and fluidity in the outer thirds than I do Harris's. I just think Shapovalov beats Harris at his own game. And even if Harris gets a set, I think minus two and a half games is too low. And you get that at minus 130, that feels like a steal. So give me Shapo to get the job done tomorrow. Now, again, this is a risky play. Shapo is borderline blacklisted from being an ace of the day because we know how, despite the highs being highs, the lows can be tremendously low. But I have good feeling 
about the Chapo. So give me El Chapo minus two and a half games, minus 130, half a unit to win 0.38. That's ace of the day number three. Now quickly to end with the parlays. We're doubling up on Cerebez Tormo here. I think she beats Radicanu. I think Andrescu knocks or ends the run of lucky loser Hreet Minin, who has been excellent here at this event, but I just think Andrescu found her form. And I think getting through that first set in three sets and being okay physically and getting through in straights against Lauren Davis, that was the sort of test, then recovery that she needed. I think she's going to look even better in round number three. I think it, she takes it to Hreet Minin. I think Pliskova, after getting tested against Anisimova, I mean, she passed the test. And does she look like someone who's ready? I I know, you know, sometimes you play a match like that. It's a bit of a come down in your next match. But was there any indication with the way Pliskova finished that match that she is going to come down? I don't think so. And I think in a player in Alia Tamjanovic, she's going to have much more uh, of a chance to play from the center of the court. And it's not going to be as urgent to play the plus one ball. And yet her plus one ball was just, she served so excellent against Anisimova. So I just think Pliskova, the weapons are too big. The confidence is there. Minus 340 over Tamjanovic. I like you. Parlay the three of them them together. Cerebez Tormo minus 115, Pliskova minus 340, and Drescu minus 360, plus 209 odds, half a unit to win 1.04. In case you all are curious what Tennis Abstract thinks from the projections, Andrescu 81% favorite over Friedman in tomorrow. You look for Pliskova, she's a 78% favorite over Tom Janovich. You look for Cerebez Tormo, as I mentioned, 77% favorite. Let's roll with them. Parlay all three. Again, plus 209, half a unit to win 1.04. And last but certainly not least, I think this is the match. This is the one for Berrettini. He either loses this one or he proves that, no, 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 I found my level. I'm fit. I'm fine. I'm making a deep run at this U.S. Open because he's got a serious test tomorrow in Ilya Vashka, who won the Winston-Salem title, who's made, I believe, quarterfinals now at four different ATP events this year, his first four quarterfinals, by the way, and has been a top 50 player in the race to the year in finals and has cruised to this third round. Meanwhile, yes, Berrettini's played, you know, only a three and a four set match, but he should have lost a set against Jeremy Chardin. Quarantine Mute pushed him in that second round match. At the same time, Berrettini was injured after making that run to the Wimbledon final and is still finding his sea legs. It's going to be quick tennis. It's going to be power tennis. And again, strength on strength. Give me Berrettini over Avashka. I think he does find his form in this match, minus 245. But it is worth noting, you look at the tennis abstract projection for this one, they like Avashka's chances a little bit more than the odds do. Avashka, a 43% chance to Berrettini's 57%. You look at the odds. Matteo Berrettini, honestly, minus 245. That's that's pretty low as well. Ivashka plus 195. That's very, I mentioned it before. I think that's a match that should go over three and a half sets at minus two, uh, at minus, excuse me, 180 odds. That's just not that tasty. But give me the Berrettini money line, and I'm going to parlay it with Riley Opelka, who has passed the test. He's locked in at this 2021 U.S. Open. He's got the chance here to make his first second week at a slam, and Riley wants to do that in New York. And he, just, you can just tell the way he's serving the quicker courts. Yes, Basilashvili, two, ti- two titles here this season, power player as well. He's going to go shot for shot with Riley. But I just, 
I, th- I honestly think Riley can do more than Basilashvili can. And I think Riley's best is better than Basilashvili's best. Similar here. So we're going strength on strength. This is the strength on strength parlay. Give me Berrettini minus 245 over Ovashka. Parlayed with Opelka minus 240 over Basilashvili. Half a unit to win 0.49. Those are your aces of the day. Again, to recap quickly, we're taking the Cerebes Tormo money line minus 115. One unit to win 0.86. Over two and a half sets in Benchich Pagula, plus 140, half a unit to win 0.7. Shapovalov, minus two and a half games over Harris, minus 130, half a unit to win 0.38. Give me Andrescu, Pliskova, Cerebes, Tormo, Parlade, plus 209, half a unit to win 1.04. Then Berrettini and Opelka are power parlay, half a unit to win 0.49. To read all of the thoughts I just mentioned, because I know that's a lot of numbers pretty quickly. You can find it all listed in an article on our website, crackrackets.com. As I mentioned at the top, you can also find our daily recaps of the U.S. Open and all of our other content. Of course, shout out to the man who makes that all possible, super producer Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to all the shows. You'll make Westoff's day. You'll make us happy. It takes three minutes, I promise. And again, once you all do it, I will stop asking. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me with your picks, your good victories, your bad beats. I am at Great Shot Pod. But with that said, for super producers Max Fligger and Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. And hey, great shot. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.